Hey haunties, it's Allie here. You know, here on Let's Get Haunted, we sure like to have fun. <laughs> but today, I'd like to talk to you about something serious. Holiday anxiety. Christmas time and Hanukkah are almost upon us, and you know what that means. Hanging out with a bunch of people that you may not even like. Has this ever happened to you? You're sitting at your aunt's house, minding your business, eating some mashed potatoes, when your cousin's girlfriend tries to strike up a conversation that you literally do not give a fuck about at all because they're probably going to break up next week and putting forth the effort to hold a conversation with someone you will never see again seems impossible. This feeling of existential dread could be a thing of the past with the help of this episode's sponsor, Vinterra Farms CBD Products. After consuming some of Vinterra's high-quality CBD, you'll reach the point of simply not caring about who's trying to talk to you. Use this newfound apathy to change the subject to something more interesting. Is Auntie Mindy trying to tell you about her Bible study? Bring up the fact that four headless horses of the apocalypse live at an old Tudor manor in the UK. Did Uncle Harold's ex-wife start crying about how much her son sucks? Remind her that at least her son isn't part of the Yellow Deli cult. After all, small victories are what the holidays are all about. Escape to your own state of relaxation by consuming Vinterra's all-natural, ethical CBD products in whatever form you desire. Tinctures, capsules, gummies, oils, and lotions are all available on Vinterra's website to help you survive at least until next year. For 15% off your entire purchase plus free shipping, head to VinterraFarmCBD.com and type in promo code HAUNTED15 at checkout. That's V, like Vladimir Putin, E, N, like Narnia, T, like Toilet Ghost, E, R, R, A, Farms, C, B, D, dot com, promo code HAUNTED15. Or just check out the link in the show notes. Thank you for supporting California farmers and farm workers. And now back to your regularly scheduled haunting. Welcome back to Let's Get Haunted with your host, Nat Strawn and Allie. Welcome back, guys, to episode 132 of Let's Get Haunted. Woo! It's December. It's almost the end of the year. This is our final story episode Mm -hmm. for the year 2022 next week it is our bonus episode our season finale our q a we're doing giveaways on that episode and we're filming it we got our office all nice yeah well nice is a subjective statement i would say festive Yes, it's very festive. <laughs> it's very festive. I think Martha Stewart would never feature no. a design oh, no. like the one we have in our mm. office right now Mm-mm. because she couldn't handle it. She could. You know what? Martha Stewart is a national treasure. National treasure. She's done some great things for our nation, including insider trading and pie <laughs> crust recipes. But would she ever approve of the monstrosity we have put together here? Probably not. But... 
you know, we did it. We were balling on a budget and we got it done. If this is your first time to listen to this podcast and you want to get right into the title story, you can open up our show notes right now. The very first sentence in all caps will tell you exactly what time to skip to. Otherwise, Allie and I do little personal hauntings intros where we have a little bit of fun and we're able to communicate with our fan base, the haunties, who slay all day. And speaking of our haunties, I would love to give a big shout out to our donors for this episode. We've got Richard S, Rebecca H, Bree H, Brianne M, Gentry, Kindred A, Marita B, Peter Barker and Malik, Brianne M, Hexylvania, Aaron K, who wants to give a big shout out to his wife, Mariella. Oh, wow. Lucky. And Alyssa S. Thank you all so, so much. And a special shout out to our top donors of this episode, Aaron K., Hexylvania, Peter Barker, and Malik. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate all donations, big or small. Mm -hmm. That is exactly right. And I would also like to thank Malik and Peter Barker. Once again, very generous donation. Thank you. Jim H., very, very generous donation. Thank you very much for donating to the show, as well as Gentry B, always in there. Everyone knows Gentry B. I feel like that's like we have a Pavlovian response to <laughs> Gentry B. There are people out in the world right now who are like, why am I thinking of Gentry B? And they have no idea why. <laughs> Carrie S., Skylar L., who also gave a very generous donation. Thank you very much, Skylar. Alicia J., Kathy G., Amber A, October Noir V, Camry G. Again, Camry, thank you very much for this generous donation. We really appreciate it. And Lindsay L. You guys, all of your donations, no matter how big or how small they are, really help us out. We know that everyone has a different situation. So however much you can afford to give is very well appreciated by us. We notice every single thing. We are your senpais. We are your parents. We notice you. And if you would like to donate, you can open up our show notes and there is information there about how to donate. Or if you're just chaotic, and you're like, I'm going to do it right now. And if you don't tell me and it doesn't sound easy, then I'm never going to do it. You can Venmo at Nat Strawn or Venmo at Dog Mom USA. Yes. And I would love to give a very special shout out to Jess M who also donated. And she said she hit me up in the DMs and was like, hey, I haven't heard my name. Not a big deal. You don't have to shout me out. And I was like, no, this is a problem. Mm -hmm. How how did you donate? Where when did you donate? Anyway, Jess M I am so sorry, but we notice you. We notice every single mm -hmm. one of you. And if you guys ever think, oh, shit, I didn't hear my name. Wait a couple episodes just to make sure, because sometimes we do try to record in advance. If someone one of us has like an event coming up or needs to go on some sort of trip or some work thing. But if you don't hear it after, I would say, a month, do what Jess did. Jess, you were absolutely correct to do that. And like Natalia said, you can check the show notes if you would like to donate to the show. Or if you would rather buy merch, you can go to our website, letsgethaunted.com. And there is a way to donate very easily on letsgethaunted.com as well. Thank you guys so much. We could not be doing what we're doing without you guys. That is not like some... Truth. That's like not some like humble thing that like a celebrity says when they accept an award. No. Like we like literally cannot do anything no. without y'all's help. So I, we really appreciate this. Thank you from the bottom of our broken hearts. Yes, we love you all very much. Thank you, haunties. And we are so excited to bring you your final story of the year. But first, 
how fucking crazy was last episode's personal haunting? We saw all of your comments and all of your well wishes to Natalia um, about the crazy fucking haunted experience she had in jail. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> sorry, you got to go back to episode 131 and give it a listen because we're not going to do it twice. Yeah, and you know what? That was all entertainment. It was all alleged. So if there's like any future people who are trying to hire me for a job or something <laughs> in case I ever want a serious job, if there's like an apocalypse or something like that, not really sure what the situation is. It's probably pretty grim if I am <laughs> looking to be hired by people who are checking my digital footprint. However, I will say that this is an entertainment podcast That's that was right. all entertainment and it it's, will, all it's all fictional. You know, if you want to sue us, sorry, uphill battle, because what I'm saying right now, everything is fictional. We don't exist. Mm -hmm. The show's not real. So you'd be suing a ghost. Yeah. And that is not possible in our current judicial system. Yep. I'm really interested in hearing about your personal haunting, Allie. You've oh been teasing God. it for a while. Okay. So get it out. If I can get that extremely <laughs> fake story out that was humiliating about uh, several bad decisions I made all coming to a head in a not so hilarious fashion, then I got to hear what you got to say. You got to go equal parts humiliating. <laughs> I, I just had to scroll all the way back in my text messages because I needed to find my original thoughts when this first happened to me. And you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and say this is all fictional as well because 100% this would ruin any chance I have at any um, normal thing in the future. Right. So. <laughs> Um, but that's what personal hauntings are, you guys. You decide if they were real or not based on our trauma response. And we will never divulge. <laughs> okay, first of all, I just want to say, so this happened to me mid-November. And in October, I'm going to preface this because I'm like trying so hard to not sound insane. Um, in October, my rheumatologist switched me to a new medication. I'm going to say the name of the medication only because I want other people to validate me and be like, yes, you're not crazy. I had a weird experience on that medication too. It is called Olumiant. Uh, O-L-U-M-I-A-N-T. I am still taking it, although I just got over COVID, so I wasn't allowed to take it while I had COVID. And I have not restarted it yet, but I'm going to. And I guess we'll see if I continue a spiral. But <laughs> I started it in October and it's an immunosuppressant and it's the strongest one I've tried so far. But all of the side effects say that there are no mental side effects. So I don't know, man. I don't know what happened. But I started feeling really fucking weird just like weird like walking around going to work and I just felt like my brain was like not right but I have no proof of of anything causing this other than myself and I and I like went to my follow-up appointment and I was like I feel weird and they were like describe how and I was like my brain feels weird and they were like not sure <laughs> then things got really fucking weird I'm just going to read to you a feral text message that I sent a friend around this time and you tell me you tell me what you think quote Last week, I woke up at 3 a.m. on the dot from a nightmare. The nightmare was that I couldn't breathe. And then I started pulling plastic out of my mouth like sheets of plastic. And I kept pulling and the sheets kept coming like a clown's magic trick, but real plastic in my throat preventing me from breathing that just kept coming out every time I would pull. And then I woke up in my bed in real life in a cold sweat and the whole room looked kind of blue. 
and we have this half dome window near our ceiling that doesn't have blinds on it. And I looked out the window and there was just a bright circle <gasps> right there outside my window. What? But I figured it must just be Jupiter or Venus or Mercury or some shit. And then I turned away from the light and out of nowhere, the thought just filled my mind, alien abduction out of nowhere. Like, I am not crazy, and I am barely spiritual or religious at all, and it just popped in my head, and I was just laying there in bed, thinking about my nightmare about the plastic, and feeling really weird, and thinking about how the whole room was blue, and I couldn't figure out why. And finally, I fell back asleep, and in the morning, I thought I must have just had a fever dream, or that maybe my new medication somehow caused it, but I googled it, and supposedly nightmares, sleep paralysis, and mental disturbance are not part of the side effects. After the nightmare, which I literally did not tell anyone about because I figured it was a fever dream, my mom sent me pictures of this scary as fuck horned owl that just started randomly <gasps> showing up outside her house and staring at her front door from the power lines. What? And I remembered that there's all these books about a connection between aliens and owls. And owls. Oh, and we're not done yet. And now, so the, at the time I'm sending this text message, tonight I saw... A weird as fuck aircraft hovering over one of the farms off of Del Norte Boulevard on my way back to my house in Oxnard. I feel like I sound crazy, but at the very least, you have to admit that that's a weird string of scary coincidences. Dude. I have a video of it. Yeah. Let's see the video. Okay. Now, this video is so bad. So I want to explain this video first really quick. It's two minutes. I'm driving from work to home. I pass by Del Norte Boulevard, which are, if any of you are from the Ventura County area, Oxnard area, you know this boulevard. On the right-hand side of the road, there's just farms, okay? There's no reason for there to be anything flying over there at night. Now, also, this was a night that was super fucking windy. It was 20 mile per hour winds, okay? So as I'm driving home, like my car is being blown around on the freeway. Mm -hmm. Like these were strong fucking winds. When I got home later, all the shit in the backyard was blown over. Like shit was just scattered everywhere. Someone on my street, their trash can had been blown over and there was just trash in the street. So like this, these were strong winds, okay? This aircraft was not fucking moving and it was kind of low. Like I'll show you the video. It's, it is high up. Like you can't really make out what it is, but it was lower than like normal airplanes that I see flying around at night all the time because I am kind of near an airport. Okay. So I'm driving home. I see this thing in the distance and I'm like, what, what is that? Like, that's an interesting aircraft. Like maybe it's a military aircraft, like from Port Wyoming base flying around above the fields. <laughs> and as I keep getting closer, I see that it has these green lights, which normally aircrafts have like red and white or blue, you know, and it's green and they're alternating blinking. And it just moves super fucking fast one direction and then really fucking fast comes back to the to the area that it stopped in again. Show me this video. And then it's just sitting there. Okay, so I tried to, I'm like, no way. Like, I, what are the odds? Like, I would not be, and I started worrying. I was like, I am fucking suffering a mental health crisis. Like, mm -hmm. this is not okay. I have no history of like 
delusions or like psychosis like I need to stop this medication right away like this is not cool this fucking sucks and then as I keep getting closer I'm like am I the only one fucking seeing this and I'm looking around at the other cars on the freeway but it's pretty late at night so like there aren't a ton of other cars out and then I'm like you know what fuck it I'm just gonna get off on Del Norte so I got off on Del Norte Boulevard which if you guys know that area you know that there's nowhere to stop right there it was pretty late not a lot of cars on the road so I stopped in the middle of a road and I leaned out my window, my driver's side window, and I start filming it. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck is that? And then I sent it to a couple different people, including one person in my life who's an extreme skeptic, like extreme. And he was like, casually was like, oh, I think you saw a UFO <gasps> after he watched the video. I want to see it. Okay, but it's so fucking bad. And I have so much sympathy now for people who try to film UFO videos and it just looks like absolute fucking garbage. Allie is handing over her cell phone to me and I'm about to press play it's, on it's this video. It's so laughably bad. What is this? I don't understand what, what I'm looking at. Okay, I have some questions for you before I yeah. make uh, make my assessment of this. When you were zoomed in on those lights and it moved really fast up and then down, was that because you moved your phone? No, I didn't because... film it. I didn't film it moving. Oh, I've, that's just me like shaking the camera and like. Zooming okay, in and so stuff. I'm gonna explain this video to everyone. It is the night sky. What is this? And Ali is zooming in on what looks like two lights. And it's really short. It's only, what, 10 seconds long. It's so short because I was in the middle of a road, stopped right. in the middle of a road, and I, like, needed to not be an asshat. But it's weird because they're, like, two green lights. It looks like just, yeah, two headlights in the distance in the sky. Yeah. And then one of them is, like, sort of turn it, turned off for a moment, and then it comes back up. But then it goes out of focus, so it's hard to see what it is. <laughs> and I realized it was out of focus. Yeah. So then I was, so then I like fucking tried to zoom out and I'm like, I'm just making it worse. And then a car came to a stop behind me and I, and I kept driving. Y'all, I can't stop looking at this. Should we upload this to what? There's got to be someone who has like the ability to change the settings on this and get it like more clear. Tell me what it was. Or like, honestly, I'm open to the idea that it was like a drone that somehow can stabilize in 20 mile per hour winds. Like I'm open to that. Right. I'm open to it being an airplane. I want it to be something else right. because this series of events happened in a two week period. Okay. And fucking I was not okay. But then, okay, here's the other thing. Then a month later, I go to the doctor because my back is fucking killing me. I thought I had a kidney infection. I was in so much fucking pain. Woke up in the middle of the night with a fever of 103. Go to urgent care. And they're like, oh, you have COVID. And I was like, maybe I had COVID this whole time for like two dream. months. Yeah. yeah. And just like didn't know it until it got really bad. I don't know. But that's video proof of something fucking weird. Right. Well, the whole time that you were telling me this story, I was thinking about how this is such a good segue into the story that I'm going to tell you today. But I also almost like scared the shit out of myself when you were telling me about the owl peering into your mom's house. Yes. Because the story that I'm going to tell you today, no. I learned <gasps> something about the symbolism. I'm going to cry. I learned something about the symbolism of an owl staring no! into your house. No! Ah! What the fuck? It's not good. Oh, no. It's really bad. Fuck. 
Okay, but the, okay, what do you think of the Okay, first of all, let's back up. Tell me what you think of my fucking nightmare about pulling plastic out of my mouth. Well, okay. In the defense of not sounding like a psychopath, but it's kind of like, you know, I had a story about me going to jail. So, and like, <laughs> oh, it's already not too great. I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm not going to defend myself and try to sound good. I will say that your story sounds remarkably similar to someone else I know who what? has had a similar thing happen to them. They were camping. Wait. And- Wait, this is going to make me feel better. Can you tell the whole story? Yes. So this person was camping with their father out in the wilderness. And all of a sudden, they just woke up. But it was kind of like a sleep paralysis thing where they couldn't really tell if they were awake or sleeping yet. But, you know, it's cold. You're camping. It's uncomfortable. So, like, they were they were not going to, like, try to figure it out. They were just going to try to go back to sleep and, like, let it go. But they had woken up for some reason and could hear this, like, weird bell ringing no. di- sound in the distance. Really, really far away it sounded like just something really 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 far like if there was a goat wearing a bell like you know five miles away (laughs) and then within like an instant it was right next to their tent like the sound of the noise like was right by the tent and there was a super extreme bright light that was like like overpowering like a flash bomb had gone off like like someone's bright headlights were like staring at the tent right so they're kind of like what the fuck is happening and they just assumed that it was a dream but they had the feeling that it was aliens they go back to sleep and they have a dream and while they're in the dream they get this feeling that they have been abducted by aliens and that there's like some sort of communication and I'm like, what do you mean that there's some kind of sort of communication? And the the guy was just like, I don't know how to explain it. It was just like a feeling that I had that it was aliens. Like there was no story. There was no like imagery that said like, yeah, that told me that, oh, this is an alien thing or whatever. I just had like this overwhelming sensation and like the knowledge transmitted into me somehow that it was aliens. And then the next morning, forgets about it, right? It's a nightmare or whatever, wakes up and the father is like, hey, I had a dream that I was abducted by aliens last night. No. And he was like, no way, because I also had this like overwhelming feeling that I was abducted by aliens. And he's like, I don't know. Maybe this is just something that fucking happens when you're camping, right? Because I've been camping before with one of my friends. We stayed in this like little teepee thing that I found on Airbnb in New Mexico. And the entire time I was thinking that there were aliens, that they were going to get me. It was super not relaxing or chill. (laughs) But I also have this like paranormal podcast, right? right? Where I talk about aliens and things like that. So maybe I'm just like a neurotic person. Or power of suggestion. Maybe I had read something recently about an alien abduction and I just forgot and filed it away in my subconscious. I don't know though, but it does kind of sound like if we were to go full tin hat with this and just like assume that it was an alien abduction, right? Like that you did have this dream. I would say that the dream of you pulling the plastic out where you couldn't breathe was like in, in some ways for telling the COVID right? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. I feel like... Like, what if it was microplastics? What if the aliens are like, hey, we're trying to tell you that you have plastic (laughs) in your system. In your body that needs to come out. Yeah, that's making you sick. And we don't know how to tell you that. So, like, here's this cool DHS we just made with our minds. And now we're going to transmit it to you of you pulling plastic out that is preventing you from breathing. I mean, I did read an article, but I feel like this was after the nightmare about how microplastics have been found in babies now. And, like, all of there's too many microplastics on this earth that, like, now we all have them inside of us. So that could be it. That's a good hypothesis. I think that I just had COVID for two months and didn't know until it got really bad. That's what I'm choosing to believe. And 
this, you know, if there's a doctor or a nurse listening, you either, you tell me if this is more sound logic or if it's more likely I was abducted. Um, that, I mean, because I'm on immunosuppressants. Like, okay. I don't have an immune system when I take them. Well, they were probably trying to tell you, like, hey, I don't know if you know this, but this is not good. You need an <laughs> immune system because maybe they didn't know the whole story. Maybe. I don't know. Like, maybe they're just trying to help. They're I, like, hey, yeah. this is our one person that's advocating for us on Earth. Like, we can't, we got to help them out. We're well, doing them a solid. Cure me don't give me super bad covid that ended me up in the hospital with a super high fever like Mm. no fucking that's what i'm saying so i feel like it wasn't an abduction but it was definitely haunted right oh yeah for sure i'm like what and what is that fucking aircraft in the sky that was hovering and super high winds yeah i don't know somebody tell me they're watching you somebody fucking tell me i will post this to maybe our story or something on instagram and you guys you skeptics and believers alike tell me what i saw pilots reach out to me Mm -hmm. air drone uh drone enthusiasts Mm -hmm. reach out to me respond to the story that we post when this goes live and tell me what the fuck it was because i need it to be something normal and i need it to be that i just had covid for two months and was feeling like shit and didn't know it but what if also some other people have had similar experiences and they tell you their experiences and then you just continue to spiral and never recover you know what that's fine too if you had a similar experience write into me so i feel less alone and we can commiserate but also keep in mind i have never had anything paranormal happen to me ever like this whole time we've done this show, I think I've maybe talked about like one time I had a weird nightmare or like another time that like you and I stayed in a haunted location or like when we went to Area 51 and we're, we were really tired driving back. But like mm-hmm. those are the only things I can think of. I have never had an experience where I was like, I am losing my mind. Like right. I'm losing my shit. Well, I feel like that's very telling of your own sort of like logical response right like instead of being like oh my gosh I'm getting abducted by aliens and the owl's here to tell me something you were like I'm losing my mind my medication's not working I am just now realizing that I have some new disease yeah where I my brain is splitting in half it's atrophying exactly yeah so I think just that response shows that you are of sound mind oh thank you natalia that's great let's stick with that let's end the story on that i am completely sound and normal all people listening who know me through work i know there's some of you that listen against my will there are some it people who listen to this uh shout out to you i know that i'm really bad at things uh involving computers sorry about it I'm not crazy. Don't tell anyone I'm crazy. The people who listen to me from the bank that does business with the business that I work at, I'm not crazy. I'm sound mind. Keep everything's normal. (laughs) Wow. That's a crazy personal haunting. That was a good one. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Hopefully someone makes me feel better. But now I'm like really apprehensive to hear your story for today. I'm going to just preface you by saying this is not going to help oh God. your situation at okay. all. I, when you were telling me the thing about the owls, I started getting tears in my eyes because of the information that I know. Okay. All right. Well, g- God damn it. Let's, let's give it a whirl. Okay. First off, before we do this episode, I just wanted to say that although I have just moved to Georgia and live at the southern tip of the Appalachias, I have heard this word said several different ways by several different people. I've heard Appalachia, I've heard Appalachia, and I've heard Appalachia, which I think is the same as the first one. Okay. I do know the answer to this because when you did your cannibals episode last year, your cannibals and national parks episode, I said 
Appalachia. And somebody from this area in the U.S. commented and said it's Appalachia. Appalachia. And then I looked into it and that is the way that locals say it. Okay, yeah. Because I was going to say I've listened to a few different podcasts and a few different like videos of people saying this word. And I felt like all of the people who had an authentic Southern accent who were from this area said Appalachia. But I was like, is that just their Southern accent? Like if I, if I, okay, so if I meet Britney Spears, right? And she's like, hey, my name's Britney Spears. Like, am I supposed to be like, oh, this is my friend Britney Spears, you know? Like, it's like one of those things if you're eating a croissant in English, I would say, oh, croissant. I'm not going to be like, can you hand me a croissant? Right. Yeah. No, I feel you. So, but I know that break, guys. Yeah. (laughs) But I do know that listener said, uh, Appalachia. That I said it wrong and it was throw, like, throw an apple at ya. Appalachia. Appalachia. Yeah, this is fine. Feels great. Yeah. Appalachia. Natural, normal Appalachia. (laughs) And if I'm wrong, look, maybe I'm wrong and I hallucinated this as well. I'm calling into question everything I've ever said now because of the personal haunting I just said. So Mm -hmm. perhaps I am still incorrect, but I do seem to have a vivid memory of this happening because I mispronounced it on the cannibals episode. Okay, so we're going to stick with Appalachia. There's a culture of supernatural lore within the Appalachias that permeates the region. Some call it superstition. Others believe it's safety precautions. Some common practices include drawing an X symbol with your index finger three times whenever a black cat crosses your road. Hmm. You must draw the X three times, and it only works if you finish the three Xs before the cat reaches the other side of the road. Otherwise, you will have bad luck. Always leave a building through the same door you came in. If you sweep beneath your feet, you will never get married. Do not touch an empty rocking chair. Hold your breath when passing a cemetery, or you might inhale the soul of the recently deceased. Place acorns gathered during a thunderstorm at the windowsill to ward off lightning strikes. Always leave a single apple on the apple tree after harvest, or the devil will be drawn to you. No. Leave an old chimney found in the woods alone, or you will be influenced by the spirits of those souls who use the chimney during their lives. If you see a rabbit before sunrise, you will be unhappy for the day, but If you see an owl peering into a window, an early death is in the future. Oh, damn it. If a church bell rings without anyone ringing it, someone in the parish will die. If a bat enters the home, everyone must move out or someone in the home will die. So now I'm going to show you a picture of a house I took in Georgia while I was driving around looking for a barn to put my horse at. Okay, the sitting, the not touching an empty rocking chair makes me think like, how do you ever sit down in a rocking chair then? Because you have to sit in a rocking chair that's empty, which means you would be touching an empty rocking chair. But once you're in the rocking chair, it's no longer empty. Do you understand this conundrum? Yeah, no, I get it. It is a conundrum. What does it mean? I guess if you accidentally touch the rocking chair, you have to sit in it. Oh, okay, okay. Right? Like you can't just touch it. Or maybe like you can't touch it with your finger. You can only touch it with your butt. And then once your butt is in it, you can safely touch it with your fingers because now it's occupied. There's no way to know. I have have to to just avoid rocking chairs for the rest of my life, I think. 
So it's kind of hard to see in this photo, but uh, you can press it live so you can see. It's a photo of a house I went by. Do you see what's in the front yard? A chimney. Yeah. Um, Natalia is showing me a live photo that I'm assuming she's going to post in the photo dump for this episode. If not, then check the story at Let's Get Haunted on Instagram. And it is a very interesting house with a lot of fucking chimneys, a big, big house. And then in front of it, like near the roadway, is just like a random brick chimney, probably from an old house mm-hmm. that's no longer there. And then yeah. a really old looking shed, maybe 50 yards to the left of it. Right. Like if you look at the photo, which you guys can do on our Instagram at Let's Get Haunted, you will see like a beautiful home that someone has clearly like spent millions of dollars making. And then in the very front of their estate next to the road, there's just an out of place chimney that appears to be like part of an old pioneer home or something like that, or a log cabin where like all of the logs fell away and all that was left was the chimney. But as we just learned, there is this superstition in Appalachia culture where you're not supposed to fuck with a chimney that you find standing. So I wonder if these people who built this estate, this mansion, whatever it was, they spent obviously all this money and time planning it and doing it. Why would they just leave that chimney there? Perhaps it was part of this sort of uh, superstition from the area. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking like, I grew up without a chimney. And when I was little, I was bummed about it because I was like, Santa, how's Santa going to come leave me presents? We don't have a fucking chimney. But now I'm like, if chimneys are just like conduits to the other world and souls can pass through them, then I don't need that in my life. Now I'm going to show you a picture of a park that I have taken my son to now that we live in Georgia. If you look through those photos, do you notice anything about the photos of the park? Well, there's a random chimney. Um, (laughs) Looks like you're in a kayak in this one. What do you mean random chimney, though? It's kind of like the same thing as the previous photo I showed you, right? This one is less random because it looks like it might still function as like an outdoor chimney. Like if anyone has like a pizza oven, if you play The Sims 4, there is a chimney option in The Sims 4 that that is like an old timey looking stove. Mm -hmm. So this is like a shale or rock stove possibly that like you could use like it looks like a chimney but it also looks like you could cook a pizza in it so i'm going to tell you the story of that chimney really quick that park is what used to be the property of the first settlers in georgia the power family who created the georgia power system or whatever the grid as it is today Wait, their last name was power yeah isn't that crazy what the fuck? I know. It makes no sense. They No, they changed it. I'm saying they cha- they manifested uh, that they made all their money from electricity. Right. And they just were, changed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It just changed their last name to yeah. match. Whatever the case was, they had this home that was there on the property and that was the chimney. That was the hearth of their home. However, over the years, because it's been like 200 years or something since the, they lived there on that property, the rest of the house fell away and was damaged. So when the city bought this park or whatever, they found the ruins of the home and they left the chimney standing. Interesting. So the the house was in ruins. Mm-hmm. And they cleared the ruins, but, but they kept the-, the chimney. Mm. Now, could that just because they were like, oh, this is really cool. It's a chimney from the 1800s. We should keep it. Or was this like a, hey... Maybe we shouldn't touch this chimney. I mean, clearly, if there's a superstition about not touching a random abandoned chimney you come across in Appalachia, Appalachians know something that we don't know. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so I'm not going to fucking touch it because I'm just going to assume it's haunted. Right. The traditions that I told you about just now are gathered from several rituals and rites that are local to the Appalachians. However, some things cannot be warded off with acorns or X's. I'm going to preface this by saying that the other night I was having dinner with some of my fiance's friends and one of these friends has a wife who builds cabins in northern Georgia. Oh, that's badass. I thought so too. They're like super secluded and romantic and then she sells these cabins on Airbnb as stays for people who want to kind of get away from it all. I was immediately like, what the fuck? Have you like seen this TikToks about like fucked up shit that's from Appalachia? Like, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, Like just in general, like... Like the story of the Blue Ridge Witch. Yeah, that that happened in Appalachia and that's fucked up. There's this whole trend. It's like a viral trend on TikTok right now. I don't know how I got on it. Like I just somehow got on Appalachia TikTok. And it's just like basically that the woods are super haunted, right? Like that's where Bigfoot is. Mm. That's where all of these, that's where the Windangos are. That's where all of these sort of uh, supernatural lore about the Appalachias. Like perhaps there's fucking cannibals living in there. We don't fucking know. And the locals who live there, they all have like adopted this sort of attitude about it where they just don't look in the trees they just like if you hear something no you didn't if you see something you didn't and to demonstrate this sort of attitude i am going to play this viral tiktok by abby sabata where she talks about if you're spending time in you know the appalachias here's some rules to follow from a local i'm gonna play this for you i've seen a lot of videos about the things going on in Appalachia. And I grew up in Appalachia. So I thought I'd let you in on some safety secrets. Number one, don't go out at night. If you do go on at night, don't look into the trees. If you see something in the trees, no, you don't. Don't look at them. Don't acknowledge them. Look away. Walk away. If you hear something, if something's screaming, If you hear your name, no, you don't. Turn around, walk away, look away. If you hear footsteps, could be a bear, could be a deer, could be something else. Turn away, look away, walk away. My grandparents didn't let me go outside at night for a reason. Critters come out, but other things do too. What do you think about that? What are the comments on this video? This is fucking scary. Are people agreeing? Yeah. Is this a secret that we're learning about that's fucking terrifying? Yeah. Listen to this comment. Not only your name, but if you hear a baby crying, walk away. If you hear a woman screaming, walk away. I live in the Arendacks. Same over here, sis. Someone says, I grew up in Appalachia and we were just taught to mind our own business, not our curiosity. Someone said, I live in Pennsylvania. I agree. You don't go out at night. You're not alone. Even the horses get anxious at night. Someone said, once I looked into the trees and James Charles popped out screaming (laughs) my name. (laughs) This says, I live in the Appalachian Mountains. And the best tip is, if it's off the path, not your problem. If it's on the path, run to the closest station. Someone said, Oh my gosh, my family is deep rooted in the Appalachia Mountains. And whenever I drive through trees, I get paralyzed with fear and avoid looking in the trees at all costs. What's in the trees, though? What are the things that are in the trees that we're trying to avoid? That's a great question. The Appalachians are host to several legends of supernatural beings that mingle with humans or might even be at least partially human. 
Bigfoot sightings in this area are frequent, but it's what you can't see that is really more of a concern to locals. The common local superstition within the region includes several rules like the ones I told you, including don't look into the trees. Now, I decided that I needed to look into why you don't look into the trees. So I went to Abby Sabata's podcast, which is called Don't Look Into the Trees. It's very fascinating. I highly suggest everyone listen to it. She had an episode on an encounter she had with a Wendigo. What? It's pretty crazy. So based off of this episode that I listened to, she basically says that the Wendigo are these spirits that are traced back to supernatural folklore or tradition within Native American cultures. And the Wendigo is a soul that is so lost that it basically has to eat other people's souls and becomes a cannibal. Now, it is the best apex predator on the entire earth, so there's not much you can do to avoid it if it decides that it wants you. But what you can do is try to avoid triggering its predator response, right? Like if you see lions out, if you're on a safari, they tell you not to run because if you run, then they like are instantly drawn to chase you. Same thing with the bear, right? Like you're, there's certain things you're supposed to do not to get attacked. Obviously, you know, if a dog is fucking running at you, like it's right. going to bite you. I wouldn't test this. I would try to run yeah. if you could, <laughs> but I have, you know, I have heard things like that. One of the things that happens is that these predators are super well camouflaged into the trees and if you look into the trees and you see them and they notice that you notice them then they're gonna hunt you down because they can feel your fear what the fuck supposedly they have this like their voice because they're not fully human they try to call to you if they're hungry so they'll call your name out so in this case she kept hearing like happy that is fucking terrifying. It's so scary while she was walking her dog. And so she was just trying not to make eye contact with it. And she said that it smelled like rotting corpses and decaying meat. And it was just terrible. And that she finally got back to her house. And when she got into her house, she turned around and just saw this thing staring what? at her from within the woods. And she's like, I have no idea why it didn't attack me or my dog. Perhaps it's something that my parents did to ward off this Wendigo spirit within our home because they are local so they have practiced all these different superstitions and traditions in order to protect and guard their home from these spirits but she was basically talking about how this is like not superstition in this area right like people who believe in this shit wouldn't think it's fun to like talk about it at dinner or whatever because they believe talking about it invites it towards you right yeah I've seen people even censor the word Wendigo or Wendigo however I don't know however you say it but I've seen people like put a asterisk like on the e right or the n right so she said that you're not supposed to say it out loud unless you've taken proper precautions to keep yourself from being hunted so you can sage everywhere or you can draw a circle of light around you luckily in our office we have sage here and we have several crystals Mm -hmm. so shit can't fuck with me you guys i've been to jail fuck you wendigo (laughs) i'll say your name as much as i want and we don't live in the forest here right yeah well i'm about to go back to appalachia pretty soon this is gonna be kind of sketch my point being that i was having dinner with these people that build these cabins out in northern Georgia, right? And as soon as this woman told me that she builds these cabins in northern Georgia and in the Appalachian woods, like off the beaten path where you don't have cell service and no one can find you, I was like, oh my gosh, like, do you ever get scared? Do you feel like there's ghosts? And she was like, 
<laughs> what do you mean? And I was like, well, haven't you heard about like their scary stuff? And she was like, she basically just said that, you know, well, I don't really pay mind to that stuff. She was like, you know, the other day I was walking back to my car after like checking on the cabin and I just kind of heard some clicking in the woods and I just ignored it and I got in my car and left. No. And I was like, what do you mean clicking? Like, wh- like, what are you talking about? And she was like, I don't know. It was just like nothing I've ever heard before. She was so nonchalant about it, right? So I was like, okay, well, wh- clicking, was it mechanical? Was it like human? And she just said that she just didn't care. She was like, I don't know. I didn't care. And she's like, I just left. And she really didn't want to talk about it more. And she really wasn't like putting any sort of emphasis on it. But she also wasn't like, no, we can't talk about it. She just like wasn't entertaining it, right? Like she was just like, yeah, I heard clicking and I decided to go. It wasn't like anything I'd ever heard. I I don't know what else to say about it. You know, I don't really pay any mind to that kind of stuff. So obviously she didn't really want to talk about it more. So I left it alone, sort of. I mean, little does she know that I fixated on what she said to the point of I did an entire episode of a podcast about her little comment at dinner, but that's neither here nor there. What struck me as odd was about how she was clearly bothered by that sound of whatever happened. But she was just pretending like she wasn't bothered by it and she refused to acknowledge it. So I did a little dive and apparently you're not supposed to look into like weird sounds in the woods in Appalachia because whatever's causing those sounds is attracted by curiosity. And it's like whatever it is can almost only get you if you investigate it. So a lot of the lore that we're going to talk about today is believed to bring bad luck if you talk about it. So like you said, it's censored, right? Some people don't talk about it. And everyone who does talk about it talks about it in a way that's very coded. So I'm going to do my best to explain what I have heard in this episode. But at the same time, like, I don't fucking know, guys. Like, I'm trying to piece, I'm trying to do the Da Vinci Code, right? now and like pointing to like I'm like solve some ciphers exactly I don't know what the fuck is going on I'm just gonna tell you what the internet told me this is reminding me of if you guys haven't listened to our most recent listener stories you got to go do it there was a listener that wrote in and said one time they were in the woods and they just heard a random uh ringtone go off Oh my god, I just got chills. I remember you saying yeah, that. Like, yes. Per- oh fuck, dude. Okay, this episode uh, is about to and get. And so, like, you real. just know that someone's out there with you. So, like, similarly, you're checking out this remote cabin in the middle of the woods. There's nobody around. You probably drove on a dirt road to get there. It just got fixed up. She's just checking on it to see if it's like habitable. And then all of a sudden, you hear this like weird mechanical clicking noise, like artificial, like caused by something, like not a creaky log from the cabin, not like your feet crunching the gravel underneath you as you go to your car, like a weird clicking noise coming from somewhere nearby. And there shouldn't be anyone there. That is fucking scary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what would you do? Get in my car and go yeah. away. I would do what she did. Right. But, but I would also talk about it later in a personal haunting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the Southern Appalachian Mountains feature several stone ruins that are littered along northern Georgia all the way up to Southern Carolina. Some of these stone structures are hundreds of years old. Some are thousands of years old. But archaeologists don't know exactly who created these structures or why. But there are a group of people who claim that they do know where the structures came from. These people are the Cherokee Native Americans. And within the Cherokee culture, there is an oral tradition that tells the tale of the moon-eyed people. 
Allie, have you heard of the Moon-Eyed People? No, but I love that. I love that name. That's like, it's so creepy. Like, it sends a chill down your spine. Right. Like, Moon-Eyed People. Does this mean... Is it people that have eyes that glow in moonlight? Is it people who who have like really big round eyes as if it were a full moon? Is right. this like a, some sort of werewolf? I don't know. Is it a person who when the moon hits their eye like a, a big, big pizza, pizza pie? pie that's amore? You know what it's also reminding me of? Um, Rick and Morty where there are there's a song about like so moon man. <laughs> oh moon man. And it's just like this weird little cartoon guy that has like a big butt. <laughs> I do not remember that episode, but there's not one thing from that show that isn't just like a fever dream, chaotic yeah. nightmare. So, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised at all. Yeah, it's the guy from Flight of the Concords, and he's singing a song, and he's like, goodbye, moon man. And it's just like this weird butt creature that oh, has that a flower. You. I don't, maybe. Yeah, it's just like its head looks like a butt, and it just like has a flower coming out of it. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Was this also a fever dream caused by COVID? Let me know. One of the most well-known legends from Native American folklore is the tale of the moon-eyed people of the southern Appalachian Mountains. This is a legend that is thought to be rooted in Cherokee lore, but there is debate on the exact origin of the story. I have compiled all of the sources and taken what I believe to be the most widely accepted version. So this is this is a Wendigo episode. This is an episode about whatever the moon people are. But there's some people who believe that perhaps Though, that the moon people are the Wendigo. Or this is really an episode about what the fuck is in the Appalachian woods. And we could do a bunch more episodes about the cryptids and folklore and supernatural paranormal traditions that uh, talk about what's going on in those fucking mountains. But the consensus, as we've just discovered, is that there's something fucking weird happening about right. there, right? Like, no one's talking about a Central Park in New York. Take acorns and put them on your windowsill to keep the lightning out. And if an owl is looking into your window, then there's going to be an early death. Perhaps that's because there's not that many owls out there and there's not that many trees i don't know but my point is is that this area is haunted well central park is haunted but to your point there's not rumors of like scary fucking weird half humanoid things wandering around right and i remember james in our episode about the georgia guidestones was talking about how like northern georgia has like a weird feel to it and he's like there's weird shit that goes on up there and i was just kind of like okay whatever like i don't know what he's talking about and now i get what he's talking about and he didn't even want to talk about it (laughs) probably because he's fucking from there so he didn't want to bring it up and like bring the hauntings to his house oh my god maybe maybe we need to ask him about this i don't know when the first european settlers came into contact with the native americans there were several oral traditions that detailed encounters with the other tribes however there was one legend that stood out from the rest According to the legend, there is a race of very pale-skinned humanoids who reside in the woods of southern Appalachia. These creatures are shorter than the average human, with small, round bodies. They have bearded faces and large blue eyes, which are so sensitive to the sun that this race is fully nocturnal, forcing them to live underground to avoid light. The Moon-Eyed people built underground tunnels and caves to keep the sun out. Where there were no caves, they built log cabins that were very low to the ground, camouflaged even, and covered any cracks with wood to keep the sunshine out. The Cherokee called these people the Moon-Eyed people, as they only came out at night, and even the light of a full moon 
would be enough light to cause the moon-eyed people to flee underground. Some historians insist that the moon-eyed people were early European settlers. However, the stories of the moon-eyed people date back to the time before the first pilgrims arrived in America. According to Cherokee tradition, the moon-eyed people were not just another tribe of light-skinned Native Americans. The Cherokee insisted that the moon-eyed people were an entirely separate race. Now, Allie, how would you interpret that description? That the moon-eyed people were not light-skinned Native Americans, but they were an entirely different race. Could that mean that they were a different race, like they were European, or they were a different race, like another species? I kn- yeah, I mean, it could be either, right? Like, it could have been a, like a group of people that just immigrated or migrated. I don't know which one's the correct one to say, migrated from somewhere that was like a colder region, so they had less melanin. Or it could be like some sort of supernatural hybrid of man and beast or it could have been like a demon Mm. or like a ghost like i'm sorry when you think of a ghost regardless like you don't even think about race like you could be a black ghost you could be a brown ghost you could be a white ghost but the through line is that like you look like a white transparent sheet right right yeah like you're not gonna see a ghost and like it's polka dots like that's not an image so could these pale-skinned people that weren't considered other Native Americans, could that have been like a tribe of ghosts? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And I will say that, like, it leaves a lot up to interpretation, insisting that this wasn't a light-skinned tribe of Natives, that this was actually a separate race. Because it could just be that there were communication differences in the culture between the Native Americans and the European explorers, and that just left too much room for interpretation. We've talked about on this podcast how, like, just a single word change in a translation can change the entire meaning. Right. But why wouldn't the Cherokee just say, oh, yeah, they were just different light skinned tribe, right? Like, oh, yeah, they were they were human or, you know, they were just another uh, tribe. We don't know. And that's kind of what this story is about. Like what exactly was meant by the moon eyed people being a separate race? Yeah, we might never know. But I'm hoping that we're going to fucking decipher some shit and Da Vinci code it right now. I'm going to tell you what I learned. And it is is fascinating. The Moon-Eyed People's territory, according to the tradition, extended from the Little Tennessee River up north into Kentucky, where the Moon-Eyed People built stone fortifications to guard their land from invaders. The Moon-Eyed People warred heavily with the surrounding tribes, and there was much violence that transpired between the Moon-Eyed People and the local Native American tribes. Basically, what the tradition says is that all of the local Native American tribes did not get along with these moon-eyed people. And they were constantly trying to encroach on their land. And there were wars that were fought heavily between the tribes of Native Americans and whoever the moon-eyed people were. To the extent that the moon-eyed people had to build all of these stone fortifications all over their territory to help prevent invaders from coming in on their territory. According to the legend, the Creek tribe came up from the south to invade the Moon-Eyed territory. The Creek waited until the Moon-Eyed people were the weakest during a full moon. Under the light of the full moon, the Creek attacked the Moon-Eyed people and drove them from their underground caves, forcing them into the moonlight. The weakened and vulnerable Moon-Eyed people fled west into the Smoky Mountains underground and were never seen again. 
Some Appalachia locals believe that the moon-eyed people are still living in those smoky mountains, deep within the Appalachian woods, hidden from the rest of the world. That's fucking scary. Yeah, that doesn't sound like... Like, encroachment upon land sounds like European settlers, but living underground and weakened in the light of the full moon... Like, that's to me, sounds like a cryptid or something supernatural. Or a moray. We're not sure. Yeah, Does yeah. it have that effect on you when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie and you... And you're in love. Yeah. And you don't want to fight. You're right. like, I'm in love. This mm-hmm. is great. Let's make a pizza uh, in this chimney that's been abandoned in the woods. <laughs> in the early 1840s, a statue was found in Murphy County, North Carolina. The statue is of two human-esque figures that are nearly three feet tall. They were carved from soapstone many centuries ago by a method known as pecking. Essentially, a smaller, harder rock hit the soapstone repeatedly to make tiny indentations until figures emerged. The figures are conjoined as if they were Siamese twins. They have dished inward faces and large round eyes, which appear in size much larger than the other features on their faces. The statues went on display in late 2015 after being in private hands for many years. They are unlike any other artifacts found in the southeastern region of the U.S. They are on display at the Cherokee County Museum in Murphy, North Carolina. I'm going to show you some photos of the statue. Hmm. Oh, that's scary looking. Um, So I am looking at a rock carving, it looks like, of two beings that are side to side. They have these alien. I can't really describe it any other way besides it's an alien, like an alien head, you know, like those oblong heads and little round eyes that are like deep carved pretty deep into the stone. And then the statue itself is surrounded by a rope. Yeah. And there's no arms. If you guys want to see these photos, you can go to our Instagram at Let's Get Haunted. The next photo. So you can see the statue in the museum to get a better idea of like how big they are in size. It's pretty big. Yeah, I would say it's there's a woman next to it in the third photo Natalia is showing me and they look to be like the size of from the head to the hips of an adult person. Yeah, they look like a six year old child almost. Yeah, yeah. Like that. Like they're a, much larger than I initially thought they were. But they're very, very thick and very round, almost like, you know, Pillsbury Doughboy-ish. I don't know, you guys, there's no way to describe this without offending somebody who's built like the Pillsbury Doughboy or whatever the fuck. So just go to our Instagram, make your own judgments about what the fuck these look like. So apparently people believe that this particular statue is aliens or even an effigy of the moon-eyed people or perhaps the moon-eyed people were aliens but what if the statues are not the moon-eyed people at all apparently some people believe that the statues are another lost supernatural people known as the little people oh the legend of the little people entails that their fallen tears turned into cross-shaped stones as they fell and hit the ground these cross-shaped stones are also on display in the museum Now, I didn't know what to do with that information, but I decided to tell you because I found it out and I didn't want someone to be like, no, actually, those are the little people and their tears turned to stone. I don't know. Are the little people the same as the moon-eyed people? I'm not sure. The moon-eyed people were described as being small and round. 
So maybe there's crossover between the legend of the little people that also comes from Native American tradition and the legend of the moon-eyed people that comes from Native American tradition. Yeah, think of pre-internet anything. Like you could be somebody existing in Washington and you see this crazy lizard that you've never fucking seen before and you're like, oh my God, this lizard kind of looks like uh, a stripy baby and mm-hmm. so you're like has anyone else seen the stripy baby lizard and then somebody in Canada no that's sees- a snake with arms yeah they're like have you seen that noodle the s- sweater wearing noodle fighter and yeah. you're like whoa like that must be two different things but really you're t- both talking about the same lizard thank you for that beautiful analogy which <laughs> <laughs> illustrates the point that we are trying to make perfectly there was an article that I read for a website called roadsideamerica.com where they interview the owner of the museum that has the um the the statue of the moon-eyed people slash perhaps little people and all of those cross tears things and she also just like based off of this interview has a bunch of other weird shit in her museum (laughs) and once i learned what she had else in there i like couldn't leave it out so i'm just gonna read you the article and you tell me what you think so the owner of that museum or the manager or whatever the person who runs it her name is wanda the article reads quote wanda concedes that it's all a little confusing When you look at them, the statues, everybody determines something different in their own mind, she said. The Moon-Eyed people aren't the only odd creatures in the Cherokee County Historical Museum. Upstairs are hundreds of dolls donated by a local woman named Louise Kilgore, who had so many dolls that she kept them in her... Why are these windows so thin? I don't know. Are people spying on us? Is that my truck? Is someone trying to break it? That was my truck. Can you come down with me? That was my oh, truck. Oh shit, I see people walking by it though. Yeah, yeah. They just start walking by really fast. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Shit. I'm leaving my purse up here. Do you have a key? No. Fuck. Start running. I'll meet you. Hold on. I'm grabbing my. Uh, maybe. Shit, I don't have any of my shit. I don't know where my wallet is. Well, guys, was that um, an exciting it's still intermission? Recording? Yes, it's still recording. Oh, my God. Yeah. Exciting intermission. Um, we're just going to let you guys know what happened because I think Natalia might leave yeah. some of this in. It's an exciting haunted intermission. We started hearing a car alarm going off and I was really fucking annoyed. And Natalia was really fucking annoyed because the whole time we've been recording, we keep having to stop because these windows are really thin. And there's like sirens and police shit going Ambulances. on. And Allie was like, why are our windows so thin? And then she was like, is that a car alarm? And then she got her keys out and she was like, is that my car alarm? And she pressed the like lock the, button. the lock button and the thing went off. And I was looking down at her car and there were two people standing next to it. One was in a dark hoodie and one was in a light white colored hoodie i'm assuming that one of them was a male based off of the stature and the one in the light colored hoodie was a female based off of the stature from above but who the fuck knows so Allie goes like oh my god let's go down there and i was like should we call the police and she was like i don't know run go i'll meet you and i'm just like running down the hallway i had to find my keys because we're we're alone it's 8 p.m we're alone in this office building it closes at five as i'm running i didn't even know why i'm running like am i gonna like personally fight these people and be like i heard the car alarm go off and you're standing here so now i'm gonna fight you yes (sighs) oh 
I appreciated it. You ran. You you did it. You ran. Uh, you held the elevator for me. I found my shit. I ran after Natalia. We run down there. My truck was not broken into. Thank God. I think we heard it just in time. That truck has been through some shit. It has been broken into before. And so from experience, I can tell you that if you break a window, my alarm doesn't go off. But if you try to like force the door open, like if you were to put like a crowbar in like the corner of the door and like try to pry it open, the alarm goes off. What is in your car that like attracted them, do you think? Oh, immediately I was like, they probably think I have Christmas gifts because I just went to Target before I came to record and I got a bunch of empty like Christmas bags. And the most recent time that my truck got broken into where they shattered the window, it's because they saw a backpack sitting on my back seat, but it it was empty. Like they just took an empty backpack without realizing it. Yeah. So and anyway, I was thinking like, man, what are they going to steal? Like, what do I have in there? I have like, this is actually hilarious. I got a colonoscopy recently and <laughs> they gave me um, like a bunch of like instructions about it. And then also they wanted me to leave a stool sample with them. And I am really fucking grossed out by fecal matter. So I was like, I'm just not going to do it and pretend like I'm going to do it. And then the, I'll just like let this drag on until they eventually forget they asked me for this. So I literally have in the backseat of my truck, one of the those like children's looking potty things that you put in the toilet so that the kid goes and like you can check and see what they did for gathering stool samples for gathering stool oh samples God. I have that in the back of my truck I also have um, a bunch of like a, a brand new pack of N95 respirators for work I have a fire extinguisher a first aid kit uh, oh my god a giant giant fucking Costco size plastic tub of off-brand Cheetos balls. Oh my God, the jackpot. <laughs> yeah. And I think I have like a wig in there. Yeah, they're going to be like, we just came upon a murder <laughs> scene. Like this is clearly like someone who lures people using different disguises and methods and occupations. And yeah. we're just going to leave this alone because I don't want to get murdered. Yes. Yes. So you guys, that's what happened. That was the exciting little intermission. My, I just got over COVID and my lungs fucking hurt because the night air is very cold and we sprinted uphill to get to my truck. But we are back. I also got a ticket for $63 oh, yeah. for, uh, I guess, having not paid the meter long enough. It was 63 Yeah, which I... is super annoying. So if you guys want to donate <laughs> to our <laughs> shitty fucking podcast, fuck, man, we sound so fucking stupid. And <laughs> but you know what, you guys, I was just telling Natalia, this is why the people should listen to us, because you're immersed in this haunted, scary, spooky tale of the moon-eyed people. And then we just have a soap opera intermission. What other podcast is giving you the destitute content that you deserve? None. 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 All right, I'm ready to jump back into these moon-eyed fucking haunted bitches. The moon-eyed people aren't the only odd creatures in the Cherokee County Historical Museum. Upstairs are hundreds of dolls donated by a local woman named Louise Kilgore, who had so many dolls that she kept them in their own double-wide trailer. She got married, said Wanda, and her husband felt bad because she had left her dolls to come with him, so he told her she could buy any doll she ever wanted. And she did, till the day she died. That's very haunted. Um, this woman is possessed by a haunted hoarding spirit. The article continues. We asked Wanda if any of the dolls were haunted. She laughed and said that everybody asked that question <laughs> and directed our attention to a doll with eerie red eyes. Some people don't like the looks of it, said Wanda. Some people say, "Ee, I ain't going near there. But if people are a little wacky, that's their favorite doll. 
to show you a picture of this doll. Okay, I'm ready to see this. Yeah, so Natalia is showing me what I can only describe as like a woman that snuck aboard a pirate ship and then was enchanted into a porcelain doll. <laughs> With red eyes. <laughs> yeah. If you're picturing, I hope that like conjures up a very vivid image in your mind. Now go to our Instagram at Let's Get Taunted and tell me that's not like fucking Kiera Knightley if she had been turned into a doll. Yeah, I'm just wanting to know who curates what's in this Cherokee Historical Museum. <laughs> this has nothing to do with the Cherokee people. This or, is like, or a does doll. it? Was it a Cherokee woman? I mean, could be. Who is to say? Certainly not I. But you. You guys need to go to at let's get on to instagram account and check this out i like how the interviewer was just like we asked wanda if any of the dolls were haunted like just doing the lord's work of course her name is wanda too that is a that is a very haunted magical name so now we're going to talk about some of the evidence that the moon-eyed people perhaps left behind prehistoric structures have been found all over appalachia in the region where the moon-eyed people are said to inhabit Fort Mountain State Park is located in Murray County, northern Georgia. Fort Mountain State Park officially opened in 1936. The park is named after an ancient 885-foot-long rock wall located at the peak of Fort Mountain. The wall, which reaches 7 feet tall at places, follows the southeastern edge of the mountain summit. The wall is zigzagged in pattern, and it includes 19 to 29 pits, depending on which way you go, within the zigzag pattern. Walls have a long tradition of conflict preparation. Often walls are built to deter violent conflict by protecting against attack. So why was this seemingly militant wall here? According to the persistent oral tradition of Appalachia, the wall was just one of many fortifications built by the Moon-Eyed people to keep out invaders from their territory. In the early 1800s, Tennessee Governor John Sevier, the first governor of Tennessee, was visiting northern Georgia when he noticed the strange zigzag wall. When the Governor Sevier asked the Cherokee chief Alcato Sota what the wall was, the chief told him that the wall was built by, quote, the white men from across the great water, end quote, hundreds of years ago. In 1956, after several rumors persisting throughout the decades of moon-eyed people having built these walls, someone decided to find out what the fuck was going on. There was an archaeological report that found that the structure, quote, represents a prehistoric aboriginal construction whose precise age and nature cannot yet be safely hazarded until the whole problem of which this is a representative has been more fully investigated, end quote, whatever the fuck that means. What do you take of that quote? So they're saying these were white people from across the big water, which makes me think, okay, Europeans. But then anthropologists that come look at this are like, no, this is like predating that and yeah. looks to be consistent with some sort of aboriginal structure. From 500 AD. Wow. So, okay, what if, I don't know, I'm stumped. Like, I'm open to the idea of ancient civilization. I'm open to the idea of ancient aliens. Who's um, not? Who's if you're not open to that idea, fucking get a life. I don't know. I don't know. I'm really I'm very interested though. Like maybe these are like people from God, I don't know, Vikings, but like Vikings have beards and the Moon Eyed people don't have beards. The Moon Eyed people have beards. They do? 
Yeah, but the Vikings, I thought, were tall. And these people are, like, oh, short that's true. and small. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, okay, who... But maybe they're short Viking kings. Yeah, yeah, we stand. Most modern sources claim that the wall and the surrounding structures were built by local Native Americans around 500 AD for religious purposes. Ceremony, civic meetings, astronomy, or even as a honeymoon retreat spot for the newlywed Cherokee. But... We're not exactly sure what the exact reason or why these fortifications exist. It seems like all of the information was lost. I don't know if you knew this, Allie, but history is often written by the victors. So if the people who built these walls were wiped out, perhaps their story ended with their own downfall and left no history behind for us to interpret. It would make sense that very little is known about the wall if the people who built it didn't live to tell their tale. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah, so that's true. Like if I if like two groups of people come upon each other in in AD times and they're like, "Hey, you're encroaching on my land." And the other one's like, "No, you're encroaching on my land." And then they fight. Like you're never going to know the other side of the story anyway, right? right. Like because those people and I don't know any, anything about 500 AD. I'm just thinking 500 AD, what are your priorities? Survive. So, I don't think a lot of people would be writing down like, "Hello, today we built this wall and this is what it was for, but perhaps I'm wrong. Now I'm going to show you some pictures here of what this wall looks like in Fort Mountain State Park. All right. So look at these pictures. I can't. Wow. Not what I was picturing. So the first picture is like a bunch of stones and they are like heaped together in a curved line. But I would not necessarily look at that and be like, that's a structure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Like they're calling it a wall. And when we think of a wall, we think of a wall. And this is not a wall. (laughs) This is like a pile of rocks. But I guess if it was built in 500 AD, then over time, it It just just like fell apart. Fell apart. Yeah. The second picture is a picture of the state of Georgia. Yeah. I (laughs) Yeah, I just, in case you needed to know. Love it. Third picture is another, (laughs) there's nothing even marked on it. Yeah, in case you wanted to know what Georgia looked like, because sometimes I still wonder. I mean, I lived there and I just learned that it has a beach and I was like, huh, (laughs) did you know that? I guess I never really thought about it, but that's good to know. You're right. The next picture is of a different angle of this quote unquote wall. And the last picture is also another angle of this wall. Now, I will say this is very long. It is a very long winding. Like when you think of a wall, as Natalia said, you think of a wall, but this is more of like a big grouping of a lot of stones and when I say stones and rocks like they're flat flat stones and then they're just heaped in sort of a snake like trail you know what it looks like it looks like if someone you know like the sand art that people make yes it looks like if someone was trying to make sand art or they were trying to decorate a cake and like yeah. a zigzag mm-hmm. line. Yeah. Except it's not icing or sand, it's stones. You guys, did we explain <laughs> what this wall looks like enough about how it's, it's not a wall? It's not a wall. It's squiggly. I will say, here's a fun fact for who wants to be a millionaire, if anyone's ever on that show. I did see on Reddit reposted uh, a million times by Karma Farming Bots that <laughs> apparently in England, some walls used to be built like in wartime or something. I could be making that part up. But they used to be built as like squiggles instead of straight because actually when you have a wall built like a like a curvy line it like it's more stable it's more stable yeah so it requires less bricks so maybe that's what these moon-eyed people were doing is they were like okay let's squiggle it maybe they were just really high because the moon hit their eye like a big pizza Pizza pie pie. 
That's a moray. Yeah. That's a wall. Some legends claim that the wall is one of the stone forts that a legendary Welsh explorer named Maddock built. Oh. Have you heard of Maddock? No, but okay, Welsh, they're pale. Right. I don't know if they're short, but it's possible. Maddock was the illegitimate son of the Welsh king, and when the king died, civil war broke out as all of the king's sons fought for the throne. And Maddock was avoiding the war, so he came to land in America, Mobile Bay, Alabama, in 1170, almost 300 years before Columbus landed in 1492. Maddox saw the land and got really excited, so he went back to Wales to gather more people and supplies, then sailed back to America in 1171. But he was never heard from again. Some people believe that Maddock is just a legend and he's not even real. We're not sure. There are some people within his stories that do exist. Like we do know his supposed father, the Welsh king, did exist. We do know that he did die and that there was civil war that broke out among some of his children who were fighting for the throne. But Maddock is one of these characters that shows up. And, you know, there's no really way to know whether he's real or not. Because if he was an illegitimate son of the king... True. How would we know? How would you know? Yeah, and but if he existed in 1100 and these structures were thought to be built in 500, why would anyone think it was him? So I'm really glad you brought that up because that's one of the things that skeptics point to about Maddock not being responsible right. for the wall. Another point towards Maddock not being responsible for the wall is that he might not have even existed. The Maddock story first showed up in medieval romance, but it gained popularity in later centuries. The legends insist that Maddock and his voyagers intermarried with the local Native Americans, leaving Welsh-speaking descendants who still live somewhere within the U.S. They are referred to as Welsh Indians, not my words, and they're often credited with the construction of a number of landmarks throughout the Midwestern United States. That's really interesting. I never knew that. Right. So I didn't know that either. But this whole idea of there being Welsh speaking natives who were the descendants of this Maddock and his Welsh crew who intermarried and intermingled, it was actually really prevalent in history. In fact, in 1666, Morgan Jones, who was a Welsh minister, went to America to convert Native Americans to Christianity. Well, the Native Americans were not interested, to put it politely. So Jones and his crew were imprisoned by a tribe known as the Dogue in present-day South Carolina. Jones knew that he was about to be executed, so he was begging for his life. When the Doge chief approached, the chief was a small, light-skinned man with blue eyes who was adorned in the Doge traditional dressings. Jones cried out for mercy. Quote, Have I escaped so many dangers that now I must be murdered like a dog? End quote. And the chief responded, You shall not die today. But he was speaking Joan's own native tongue, Welsh. Wow. This story was not an isolated incident. According to Wikipedia, quote, on the 26th of November, 1608, Peter Wynne, a member of Captain Christopher Newport's exploration party to the villages of the Monacan people, Virginian Suan speakers above the falls of the James River in Virginia, wrote a letter to John Egerton informing him that some of the members of Newport's party believed the pronunciation of the Monacan's language resembled Welsh, which Wynne spoke and asked Wynne to act as an interpreter. 
basically what they're saying is that back in 1608, there was this group of people who were out exploring and they encountered this tribe called the Monacans. And some of the local natives in this party of explorers were like, hey, we can't translate what they're saying because what they're saying isn't our language. And we don't really know what they are saying. But what they were saying sounded a lot like Welsh. And so someone who was there that spoke Welsh was able to translate what they were saying because it sounded so similar that to their own native tongue. fascinating. Fascinating. Another explorer named Stedman was shipwrecked near Alabama during the 1660s, and he claims he encountered a light-skinned native tribe that spoke Welsh. In fact, when Lewis and Clark set out to map the Louisiana Purchase, Thomas Jefferson specifically told them to watch out for the Welsh-speaking Native Americans. What? Yeah. In the 19th century, the governor of Virginia financed a huge mission to find the Welsh-speaking Native Americans who had short statures, blonde hair, light eyes, and pale skin who wore beards. The wall at Fort Mountain State Park has also been related to the moon-eyed people as we heard before, but there actually used to be a plaque in Fort Mountain State Park that mentioned the Matic Welsh-speaking native legend and the Moon-Eyed Indians. However, it was removed. Um, cover up much? Apparently, a bunch of people who believe in the Matic Welsh Native American theory point out that the structures resemble military fortifications in the British Isles. Specifically, their teardrop bases of these structures are very similar to the teardrop bases of structures that are built in the British Isles. So the structures do match the description given by the Cherokee of the Moon-Eyed people being at war with local nations, right? Because they're saying, oh, you know, these structures are military. are military. Yeah, and the legend says that the Moon-Eyed people were at war. So perhaps they were Welsh-speaking Native Americans? I don't know. Here's the plaque, supposedly, that was up. I don't know how someone got a picture of it. So, okay, I'm going to zoom in. Natalia is showing me a plaque that allegedly used to be up in a national park. And it says, Legends of Fort Mountain, the Moon-Eyed People. While some legends equate the Moon-Eyed People with the descendants of Prince Matic, Cherokee legend tells of the Moon-Eyed People that inhabited the Southern Highlands before they arrived. These people are said to have been unable to see during certain phases of the moon. During one of these phases, the Creek people annihilated the race. Some people believe these moon-eyed people built the fortifications on this mountain. Other versions of the Cherokee legend tell about people with fair skin, blonde hair, and blue eyes that occupied the mountain areas until Cherokee invaders finally dispersed them. Some tales said the moon-eyed people could see in the dark, but were nearly blind in daylight. Other legends describe them as people with albinism. Delaware Indian legend tells of their migration eastward from the far west and meeting a race of very tall, robust, light-skinned people they called the Allegawi along the Mississippi and Ohio rivers. The Delaware were stopped in their advancement by the Allegawi until they prevailed with the support of the Iroquois, who were also moved eastward. Some surviving Alagawi went to Cherokee territory and stayed with them for a time and are remembered as Tilvni Kula, moon-eyed people, who were tall, fair-skinned, with light hair and gray eyes, and carried strange weapons and tools. Yeah, so you get a kind of a glimpse into the different versions of this story, right? Like, some right. of them, they're tall, some of them, they're, like, shorter and small, but all of them are light-skinned with very fair features, like light eyes, and they're all sensitive to light, and they're all at war with the local Native Americans. 
That's super interesting. I mean, is it possible that there was like an underground tribe of people and like they just proliferated and lived their lives underground for so long that when they did come up during the day, it was like shocking and their eyes weren't used to it? I mean, is there a Nazi base on the moon? Like some answers we'll never know. Truly. The Cherokee note that the builders of these structures used technology that they had never seen before. In 1799, the first governor of Tennessee, John Sevier, reported that he found six skeletons in the Ohio River wearing Welsh armor. What? There is evidence that suggests a gigantic battle took place in the area, and Cherokee oral tradition calls it a war between, quote, the white Indians and the red Indians, end quote. This war happened 50 years before Columbus landed in America. Apparently, the white Native Americans lost the war and began intermarrying with the local tribes. One of those tribes is the Mandan tribe. Now, the Mandans are said to be fair-skinned with light hair and light eyes, and they built their settlements a little bit differently than other Native American tribes who are nearby. Their settlements are built on a grid, which is similar to European cities. They also don't use canoes like other tribes in the area. Instead, they build rounded bull boats, which are the same style of boat that the Welsh built called the Oracle Boat. And even so, their language to European ears resembles the Welsh language. Could the Mandan people be the Moon-Eyed people? According to the Cherokee, no. The Cherokee insist that when they came to America before the last ice age 10,000 years ago, the moon-eyed people were already there. The Cherokee insists that the moon-eyed people are not just light-skinned tribes, but that they had been in the Americas long before the Native Americans were there themselves. That's really interesting. So they were already there before the Native Americans got there. That sounds like an oxymoron, right? Like, right, I know. Like, what is that? Super Native Americans? Right. Like, like Native Native Americans? Like, uh, that's very interesting concept to me. <laughs> Super um, Native Americans. Yeah, like, what does that even mean? Like, uh, now I'm thinking, what if there was like a shipwreck of European people mm-hmm. way, way, way back in the fucking day, 10,000 years ago, before boats even existed? <laughs> <laughs> or like a raft? Or like... I don't know. It's just I I have never heard this legend before. I am very interested. I love learning new things about history and I'm interested. Or like that plaque said, could it have been a group of people like a family that had albinism? Like they Mm -hmm. all had the recessive genes that cause albinism. And so they were Native American, but they just looked different. And like obviously 10,000 years ago, like doctors don't exist. And Mm -hmm. so people are like, that must be like the moon-eyed people. Right. Yeah, that's a great hypothesis. That's one of the popular theories that we will divulge in a moment. But I want to tell you about how some people believe that perhaps the wall was not built by the moon-eyed people and that these fortifications in Appalachia were not built by the moon-eyed people, but rather conquistador Hernando de Soto. Some people believe that the Spanish conquistador Hernando de Soto is responsible for the wall being built and other fortifications in the area. According to that theory, De Soto was protecting his men from the Cherokee while they searched the land for gold. The mountain's rich supply of gold and silver would have made this location favorable to the conquistador. However, history leaves scant evidence of Hernando de Soto and his men making it as far north as the wall's location, which seems to put a hole in this theory. Have you ever heard of something called Cahokia? 
No. Oh, yeah. It sounds like a super fake person's name, yeah. right? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, my girlfriend, Cahokia. You got to meet her sometime. Right. But it's not, actually. Cahokia are the ancient ruins that are connected with the moon-eyed people. Cahokia was an ancient metropolis in the Mississippi Valley, modern-day Illinois. Cahokia arose around 700 AD, and it had its climax during 1000 to 1150. The population of Cahokia was 15,000. That might not sound like a lot, but for comparison, at this time, London, which was one of the largest cities in the world, had 15,000 people, but it was half the size of Cahokia as far as ground covered. North America had no large cities at this time. At this time, North America was several small villages that did hand-to-hand trading on routes loosely. Right. And some of the hand-to-hand trading was not received very well. There was not a large system of people who were all living within a city, right? Like it was very much smaller families, tribes. But Cahokia had 15,000 people. Cahokia was the largest city north of Mexico before Columbus arrived. The city had 120 mounds made of earth that resembled pedestals or flat-topped pyramids on top of which the city's leaders lived. According to an article for the Washington Post entitled Metropolitan Life on the Mississippi by Nathan Seppa, published Wednesday, March 12, 1997, at the vast plaza in the city center of Cahokia rose the largest earthwork in the Americas, the 100-foot Monk's Mound. Around the great urban center, farmers grew crops to feed the city dwellers, who included not only government officials and religious leaders, but also skilled trades workers, artisans, and even astronomers. The city was the center of a trading network linked to other societies over much of North America. Cahokia was, in short, one of the most advanced civilizations in ancient America. Native Americans who settled there after 700 AD considered this easy-to-till land prime real estate for growing corn since they lacked the steel plows and oxen needed to penetrate the thick sod blanketing the surrounding prairie. Cahokia arose from this mini breadbasket as its people hunted less and took up farming with gusto. By all evidence, they ate well. Some people have referred to it as a Garden of Eden, says archaeologist John E. Kelly, who has researched the area for 26 years. But like other Cahokia scholars, Kelly hesitates to call it that because he knows the city's dark side. Despite their town size, Cahokians seem to live in fear, building a high stockade around it to keep out the world. It was utterly abandoned before Columbus ever set sail for the Americas. Wait, this town of 15,000 people was abandoned? Yeah, I'm going to show you some pictures of Cahokia. Weirdly enough, I've been here. This unlocked a core memory of when I was visiting my grandpa, lives in St. Louis. I remember going to this place and like you're a kid and you're in the car and it sucks and you hate it. And you know how you're just like, fuck, like when are we there yet? Are we there? Are we there? Right. And we get there and it's like just basically giant hills. And me and my brother are just like running around like crazy up and down these hills. <laughs> and I remember being like, what is this place? Like, who? Wh- why are we here? And then being like, oh yeah, this is like... Like this ancient civilization and I was just looking around at just like all of these hills and I was like this ancient civilization looks like the park that's like right next to my house in Texas so like is that also an ancient civilization because I failed to understand that this is not what it looked like when it was like in its heyday this is just the ruins and that was like the first time as a child that I like understood 
things decay. I don't know. It was a weird <laughs> thing that I'll never forget. A weird core memory. Um, so Natalia is showing me a series of photos. The first one is a drawing. The drawing is an aerial shot of Cahokia in its heyday. Man, there's a lot of mounds. Yeah, there are lots of mounds. They kind of look, they do look like pyramids in this drawing. This city is extremely large and sprawling. It is on the edge of a river. There is a long winding river. And then there is this really big civilization with what looks to be lots of like areas of open land. And then also like clusters of these mounds that I'm thinking might be like, um, some sort of like neighborhood type of situation. Like these are probably homes. Then the next picture is a picture, not a drawing. And it is a picture of a hill mound, but it's green. It's not dirt. So when you, I say mound, like picture a hill, but it's two hills, like a step. That's probably a better way to describe it. It's like a step. And in modern times, it looks like a sort of trail or sidewalk and stairs have been placed on these mounds so that people can walk up and down them. It's interesting. Like, it kind of reminds me of, like, Mayan or Aztec ruins a little bit, right? Yeah, but it's it's different. Like it you is said, different. it's different. It's very interesting because the ruins that we see in Mexico. It's like stone. Yeah, or stone. And like, they look like pyramids, right? Like, right. and obviously they didn't look like that originally. Like, they've been really cleaned up because they are super ancient. I remember seeing on Reddit um, a picture of what the ruins looked like before they were quote unquote discovered. And it just looked like a random like jungle hill. You know what I mean? Oh. Um, but these ones are like more, they're hills. Like, they look like meadows like a uh, pasture land. It, yeah, it's very interesting. I really like it. Guys, go to at Let's Get Haunted. So just imagine like all of these people carrying buckets of soil to create these mounds. Honestly, what people did back in the day is crazy. Like now we have excavators and machinery that can like dig and move stuff. And of course, there's still manual labor involved. And it is, of course, very taxing. But like you can't even I can't even imagine mm -hmm. what it would have been like when, yeah, you don't have a plow or a horse. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And you're just like, well, um, let's create a giant human chain and pass this bucket of soil to the person in front of me. And then we're going to dump it on this pile. And we're going to just do this for years and years and years until we have this like crazy fucking cool mound civilization neighborhood town yeah i mean i'm sure a huge motivator in that was that you're also like a slave who's being whipped by someone but you know what i don't know i can't say that for certain i just it's hard for me to imagine any sort of society where like people just do things because they want to and they're not like a slave to capitalism or literal slaves true yeah it could have been a religious thing maybe people ancient people i feel like were super much more motivated by religion than we are nowadays um maybe maybe i'm incorrect in making that assumption but I feel like back in the day, you don't have TV, you don't have internet, you don't have, I always say this, you don't have birth control. Like, what is there to fucking do? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, you're going to be really fucking religious and you're going to tell stories and you're going to make, and you're going to survive. Like, yeah. that's what you're going to do. So maybe this was their entertainment. Like, hey, let's build this really big mound to the gods or, or build this big mound that's going to be a city center. And mm -hmm. like, that was their entertainment. Dude, it's still the same way. I remember when I first moved to Oklahoma, like all of these people that 
that went to my elementary school would go every Sunday to this mega church that was by our house. And they were all like, oh, yeah, I think it was called like Hen- Hendredon or like Hen- Hendred. I can't remember what it was. You guys, if that church still exists in Oklahoma City, let me know which one it is. But yeah, they would all go there. And I went one with, with my friend because she was like, oh, yeah, we're going to church. Do you want to come? And in my mind, I was like, why the fuck would I want to do that? But I was like, I don't have any friends. I don't know anyone. So sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I went along and was like, yeah, this is great. Super happy to be here. But I understood once I got there why they wanted to go because it was like there's a live band. Mm -hmm. There's tons of stuff going on. It's super air conditioned. There's like nice bathrooms everywhere. There's daycare. There was like a kid center. There were playgrounds there. It was just sick. If If you're living in a place where there's literally nothing to do. That sounds sucked in. Yeah, exactly. And um, I did do the Christmas play there one season. Wow. Yeah, I did. Mm -hmm. The earliest written records of Cahokia refer to the site after it had already been vacant for 300 years. French monks found Cahokia's mounds in the mid-1700s and later named the biggest one after themselves. But the mystery still shrouded the site. The Illini natives in the region told Europeans that they did not know who had built the mounds. As late as this century, experts debated whether the mounds were the product of people or nature. In 1921, archaeologists erased all doubt but learned little about who had built the mounds. To this day, no one knows the Cahokians' ethnicity, what language they spoke, what songs they sang, or even what they called themselves. The name Cahokia is a misnomer. It comes from the name of a sub-tribe in the Ilni who didn't reach the area until the 1600s, coming from the east. Although Cahokia must have had a complex culture to maintain a sizable city and raise monuments that stand a millennium later, no one knows whether the mystery people's culture influenced surrounding cultures or simply stood alone. I think that the song My Humps by Fergie refers to <laughs> Cahokia's mounds. And we need to talk to Fergie. We right. need to get Fergie on the show. Look, she's she got... She knows something and she's hiding it. Yeah, I saw a scatting compilation of Fergie going beep beep bop bop bow like on stage for way too long. And it made me stand. Mm, yeah. Bold. She knows things. She's bold. You know, all of these walls around Cahokia begs the question for no one other than me. <laughs> what were they keeping out? Was it the Moon-Eyed people? Were they the Moon-Eyed people? Who were they? According to some ufologists, the Moon-Eyed people inhabited yes. Cahokia and they were either aliens or alien-human hybrids. Yes, now we're getting into the shit I care about. UFologists have the answers. Right. So I'm on board 100%. I'm down with the aliens. I'm down with the alien hybrids. Whatever it is, as long as it includes aliens, makes the most sense to me. But there's a lot of people out there that pose uh, theories that uh, poke holes in the theory of alien and alien hybrid. And I'm here to poke holes in their theories. (laughs) So we're going to start with shooting down theory number one. Okay. Albinism. Some sources suggest that perhaps the Moon-Eyed people were a tribe of people with albinism, like you said before. A Welsh explorer named Lionel Wafer wrote in his 1699 book, A New Voyage and Description of the Isthmus of America, about a community of people with albinism that he encountered in the Isthmus of Darien among the Kuna natives. I'm going to go ahead and say that I'm about to read a description by this man who wrote this description of people who perhaps had albinism in 1699. 
And I'm going to go ahead and let you guys know that this description is pretty offensive by <laughs> 2022 standards. Just a fair warning. Yeah, 1692, if, offensive. Yeah, so I'm just going to read word for word what the quote is just and let you guys decide whether you think that this is offensive or not. Wafer writes, quote, there is one complexion so singular among a sort of people in this country I never saw nor heard of any like them in any part of the world. They are white. There are of them both sexes. They differ from the other Indians chiefly in respect of color, though not in that only. Their skins are not of such a white as those fair people among Europeans, but tis a rather milk white lighter than any Europeans, and much of that like of a white horse. For there is this further remarkable in them, that their bodies are beset all over more or less with a fine short milk white down, which adds to the whiteness of their skins. The men would probably have white bristles for beards, did they not prevent them by their custom of plucking the young beard up by the roots continually. Their eyebrows are milk white also, and so is the hair of their heads a very fine withal, about the length of six or eight inches, and inclining to a curl. And what is yet more strange, their eyelids bend and open in an oblong figure, pointing downward at the corners, and forming an arch, or a figure of a crescent, with the points downwards. From hence, and from seeing so clear as they do in a moonshiny night, we used to call them moon-eyed, for they see not very well in the sun, pouring in the clearest day, their eyes being but weak and running with water if the sun shine towards them, so that in the daytime they care not to go abroad, unless it be a cloudy dark day. But, notwithstanding their being thus sluggish and dull and restive in the daytime, yet, when moonshiny nights come, they are all life and activity, running abroad and into the woods, skipping about like wild bucks and running as fast as moonlight, even in the gloom and shade of the woods, as the other Indians by day, being as nimble as they, though not so strong and lusty. The copper-colored Indians seem not to respect these so much as their own complexion, looking on them as somewhat monstrous." End quote. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, I mean, the way that this old timey weirdo is describing <laughs> these people makes me think of, I mean, it could be albinism. It could be. Um, do, do people with albinism have like a downy white all over them? Or would it just be that they're like peach? The peach fuzz. Peach fuzz is like white. That? And so he's like, oh, it's like a white horse. I, I mean, who is to say what this haunted man was thinking as he wrote his descriptions. Yeah. Certainly doubt that he thought we would be reading it today on a haunted <laughs> podcast. If he did know that, then perhaps he would have chosen his words more wisely or perhaps not. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. A downy coat. That's to me. That sounds like dehumanizing. Like that's how we would describe a horse or, mm -hmm. or a, some sort of animal. So I don't know. Not sure. Yeah, I don't know. Like, if he's describing someone with albinism, this is very offensive. But yeah. if he's describing An another alien. race that has a downy, <laughs> milk, milky coat uh, like a horse. Uh, I hated his description, too. I like, yeah, uh, I know. He, I just don't like the word milky. I know. I don't like milk at, at uh. all. Milk yeah. and just thinking of like an old, like smegma encrusted, uh, gross 1666 man being like milk. 
It's just a disgusting thought. Just think about drinking a milk from 1666. There's no way it's fucking good for you. It's, first of all, whatever cow they're getting it from has a thousand diseases. Right. And there's just, like, straight pus and, I don't know, swine flu or whatever the fuck, mad cow disease just going into, like, a bucket that hasn't been washed (laughs) ever. Right. Uh, that is used for like a woman giving birth and also like when people like has tuberculosis <laughs> and needs to cough somewhere and when someone else is like vomiting up blood they right. all use the bucket that you also use to gather the milk it's the totalitarian bucket right um and then it's just stored outside by the door in like the hot summer months yeah i mean if just think about it if you <laughs> sit down on your porch on a hot summer's day and drink a tall glass of milk nowadays, like modern times, you are haunted. <laughs> that is a haunted desire that you are partaking in. And I don't respect it. Yeah. A book published in 1797 by American botanist and professor Benjamin Smith Burton mentions the moon-eyed people in a first-hand encounter. Burton writes, quote, The Cherokee tell us that when they first arrived in the country which they inhabit, they found it possessed by a certain moon-eyed people who could not see in the daytime. These wretches they expelled, end quote. Okay, but the odds, I I think, and I don't have the statistics, maybe you do, I think albinism is fairly rare because it is a recessive trait. I'm so glad you brought this up because what I want to tell you is that the Kuna tribe of Panama has the highest rate of albinism within any population in the world. There are one in every 45 Kuna that are born with albinism, which is 130 times the typical rate of the rest of the world. Interesting. The people with albinism in the Kuna are significant to the Kuna culture, and they're even given a very special role by the Kuna. They defend the moon against any who would try to harm it, giving them the name Children of the Moon. Oh, I love that. That's fucking badass. Did you know that albinism has a much higher rate in Native American tribes than the rest of the world? I didn't either. Apparently, within the Hopi, the Zuni, the San Juan, the Laguna, and the Jimez, the rates of albinism are over 100 times higher than the rest of the world. Could those be the moon-eyed people? Yeah, okay, but in that theory, we have to believe that all of these different tribes, every time there was a baby born with albinism, they kicked the baby out, and somehow those people found each other and formed their own tribe. But that doesn't explain why, like, there would still be people without albinism within that tribe, because as people, like, fucking have children, it's not just because you, like, if two blue-eyed people have a baby, Mm -hmm. there's still a chance that their baby's going to have brown eyes, right? You know what I mean? So the odds of, like, I don't know. I find that hard to believe, but I guess maybe that's why this group of people dwindled as the years went on. And now we like don't know who they are because maybe it just like dissipated over time. Like the tribe dissipated as people got older and passed away. I don't know. Well, remember that the Cherokee said that the moon eyed people were driven west, like underground, and they were never heard from again. Right. Oh, that's true. There's some of these tribes out west in Utah and in California, like the Paiute, that have a really interesting tale. The Paiute tell of Sitika, which is a tribe of red-haired, light-skinned giants who are sensitive to light and they fear the sun. They only came out at night and they lived in caves. The Paiute warred with the giants and finally trapped them in their caves and set fire to them, killing them all. 
This was long thought to be an allegory or just an oral tradition that really didn't have any roots in reality until in 1911, the cave was found. There was a cave found in the area with skeletons of people over six foot six with red hair. What? Could those be the moon-eyed people? Wait, how did they find that? How was the hair? Were they mummies? How was there still hair left? Because there was like skulls with hair and stuff. But wouldn't the hair have disintegrated if this was like thousands of years ago? I I mean, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't thousands of years ago. We don't know. Just based off of this oral tradition. So it could. Okay, let's say that this, the moon-eyed people, like according to the folklore or whatever, were driven out a thousand years ago and they were driven west. Maybe after they were driven west, they lived there for a few centuries before they were put in this cave by the Paiute and burnt. Look, I don't know. All I'm saying is it's real weird. Well, that is fucked up because in this theory, we believe that because there was some people who were born really tall with red hair, they just got murdered. I mean, yeah. That's yeah, that's fucked. I don't that's fucked. That's the one thing that's like doesn't really make sense about it to me because in this version the moon-eyed people are very tall. But in the other versions yeah. we heard they were very short. You're right. But I don't know, maybe the Paiutes are like one inch tall and like why aren't we looking at them as being really small? Yeah. I mean, I think that these are two separate incidents. I think that these tall skeletons that were found don't have anything to do with moon-eyed people. I think they're interesting, but the moon-eyed people were short, they were round, they were super white. Judging based on the statue that you showed me at the beginning of this episode, they look like aliens. Like, mm-hmm. they don't look like people. They have no hair. Those statues have no hair. Well, there's so many questions that are unanswered, which brings us to our next theory that I'm going to poke a hole at, that this is just simply a hoax. Sources are mixed on whether or not these stories of the moon-eyed people are accurate or even an authentic piece of Cherokee oral tradition. Maddox's journey became popularized around 1580, which was right around the time that Spain was colonizing the Americas. The idea that someone from the British Isles had gotten to America before Spain would have helped England's rightful claim to the Americas. According to this theory, the other explorers who claimed to have met Welsh-speaking light-skinned natives were probably just explorers trying to be relevant and have something interesting to talk about. So even though the explorers probably only just saw some deer and it was like super hot in the south and sucked, they just like wanted everyone to be jealous of their explorations. So they just made a bunch of shit up and then everyone else wanted to be relevant. So they just went along with it until it became an oral tradition. Right. Because it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it could be like the one of the first urban legends of the Americas, right? Like one of the first European ur- urban legends of the Americas. It could have just been like a good story to tell. It's sort of like all of these fucking sailors that were sailing and bored. They start saying in a skeptic perspective, they start being like, I saw a fucking hot chick in the foam and she had a fishtail, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. And they're like, and I fucked her. And then another sailor's like, yeah, I also fucked her because right. I have sex with women. Yeah. And yeah, I've had sex too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so crazy that we had sex with the same mermaid. Yeah, yeah. My penis didn't fall off last week from scurvy. <laughs> I definitely fucked that woman. Yeah, exactly. So like it could have just been a good story to tell or it could have been like 
a, I don't know, like a, like a fable, like you said, an allegory, just like a bedtime story for children at night. Mm-hmm. Or, or it could have been like a cautionary tale, like, hey, don't go outside in the dark because the moon-eyed people come out of their caves at night and they'll come get That's you. That's fucking terrifying. <laughs> so the, those are the theories, which leaves the only theory that we cannot poke holes in, which is aliens. You can never poke holes in the unknown. Yeah, that's right. So just to recap here, the theory we have about the Moon-Eyed people are that perhaps they were aliens. Perhaps they were Native Americans with light skin. Perhaps they were the descendants of Welsh explorers who had retained some of the culture of the Welsh. Perhaps they were people with albinism or were they aliens or were they whoever is lurking in those trees in Appalachia that you told me about at the beginning of this episode don't look into the trees are they spirits Mm -hmm. are they vampires were those the Wendigo before they were really strong yeah yeah is it Voldemort yeah I mean sunshine not being able to go into the sun I mean that's part of vampirism right here's I'm gonna ask you because I feel like you probably know more about the world than I do especially (laughs) maybe not about this are people with albinism so sensitive to sunlight that they can't go out in the daytime no that's not true but so um, that doesn't make sense to me right well I mean my knowledge is limited to like YouTube videos that I watch like you know you go down a rabbit hole and like there's a lot of really awesome TikTok creators with albinism that show up on my for you page Mm -hmm. my understanding is that albinism is a lack of melanin and pigment over the all over the entire body so that's why eyes will either be a very light blue or sometimes like a pinkish Mm -hmm. sort of color because it's a lack of color right that's my understanding somebody else with albinism or who has a friend with albinism can definitely school me in the comments and because of that lack of melanin your eye my understanding is your eye does not have protection like like a person without albinism's eye does so like if i look at this light and i my eyes are brown um like it doesn't fuck me up but if i didn't have like that brown like protective layer Mm -hmm. like that would hurt but you could still go outside um i know some people are legally blind with albinism some people are blind and some people wear sunglasses in the videos i've seen so i don't know Uh, Yeah, I don't know either because I've only known one person in my life who had albinism and I didn't really even know them. They went to my gym and they were an Instagram model. So, dude, there's this guy with albinism on Instagram and he is a model and like fucking stunning. I think it's the same dude. I mean, maybe it's the same dude. I don't know. But my point being is that like in that one incident, it seems to disprove that people with albinism live underground in caves. Yeah, no, I would say... (laughs) Look, I'm just trying to give evidence-based research here. I would say, like, of course we don't... If this is five... If we believe that these people have existed since 500 AD or whatever you said to me, then we know historically people have fucking hated people that look differently from them, right? So, like, if some... If a baby was born with, like, a limb difference or, like, um, like... Uh, conjoined twins, for example. In some cultures, it's like that is the devil like cursing you, right? And that's fucked up. And sometimes um, those babies throughout history have been like murdered or have been like cast aside or thrown out of the village or like made to do undesirable work. So if this was a group of people who like had a difference, then maybe that's what was going on is like in 500 AD, people didn't understand it. And they were like, this is like 
scary to me because it's different. And so therefore, like we're going to cast out every person with albinism that is born in our tribe. I don't know enough about Native American culture right. and albinism to be able to comment on that. However, I am an expert in aliens. And I will say that I love aliens. And if they're were to be aliens living among us that live underground in the trees and have in Appalachia yeah, yeah and are covered in like a down and are clicking and are clicking in the trees oh my god that's so scary are they who I saw hovering above that farm off Del Norte Boulevard a couple of weeks ago <sighs> I mean or months ago whenever this was I've blocked it out of my memory I no you, longer remember do you know that song by Katy Perry where she's like I'm coming at you like a white horse I mean that's not the melody is it it's like if you're ready now ready now, yeah no it's dark in. horse is it dark horse yeah oh, okay it's the opposite all right <laughs> never mind I thought I had like a, a new connection there right. but it wasn't no yeah well this is a very interesting mystery, Natalia. I don't know. Um, I do know that I'm going to have a nightmare tonight about a clicking noise in the trees. Yeah. I mean, f super creepy, guys. I don't know what I just read. I don't know if it's offensive or not. I just was repeating what I saw in the sources, and I was trying my best to not be a dick, but I don't know what I'm talking about enough <laughs> to be a dick. So, you know what? Like, hopefully this is just a story about aliens and a different race of people. And it's not a story about people who had albinism that were cast out. But you know what? Who's to say? I don't know what to make about the information of the woman having all of the dolls that are now in the Museum <sighs> there of were a Cherokee lot. History. Yeah. A lot of rabbit holes with this story. Right. Well, I will tell you what, Natalia. I don't know much, but I do know that BRB, I gotta go scat with Fergie. Bye! Bye.